Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast where we're having ongoing digital discipleship conversations about when and where the kingdom and the culture collide. Welcome back to the Be Transformed podcast. We took a little time off, but now we're back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We are in a new year. It's a new season. Hopefully, it's new choices that is leading to a new you. Mm -hmm. And so we want to sow some seeds of success in your life. And so I wrote a book called Seven Keys to Success, and it kind of starts out with, does God want you to succeed? And so I'll turn that back on you. Do you want your children to be failures? No. (laughs) I don't want to be a failure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do do you want to be a failure? Do you want you to know? God is a father, and and that is something that we have to remember, that a father has good intentions and plans and provisions for his kids. I mean, that question, does God want you to succeed? It's it's kind of an obvious question, but I don't know if many people actually ask ourselves that. No, many people have the image of God as a flyswatter God who wants to punish us, who is just waiting to catch us doing something wrong so he can punish us. It's like God, their God is punisher versus the God who is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's actually looking to catch you doing something good privately so right. he can reward you publicly, which is the direct opposite yeah. of the image of God that most people have in their minds, which is why we must renew the mind. Yeah. So also, like, so does God want you to succeed? Well, yes. Um Another thing to think of is in Joshua 1, 8, success was God's idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, God is telling you know Joshua, hey, by the way, Moses is dead, which I think um, after all that morning, uh, Joshua knew, but it seemed that God had to remind him of that for whatever reason. Joshua 1, 8 says this, the book, uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success so god promises success to those who obey him and so if we simplify it obedience is success so wall street doesn't define success God defined success, and God wanted Joshua to have success, and he teaches them the key to success is to meditate on the word day and night, and whatever you meditate on comes out of your mouth. And the words that you speak determine the trajectory of your life. Yeah. And the purpose of meditating in the word day and night is not so that you become more religious and 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 so that you're, you know, you can weaponize the scriptures against other people, but it's so that you can premeditate to do what is right. So that's that's the power of meditating on the scriptures, is that you would premeditate to do what is right and honoring and pleasing to the Lord, and then you will make your way prosperous, and you uh, will have success, which is God's heart and God's plan for his kids. So his kids are in his word, his word 
isn't his kids. You know, his word comes out of their mouth. That word is shaping their life, and the promise is good success. The purpose of God's commandments is to add to our lives, to help us flourish, to help us prosper. But it's interesting, the world, the enemy flips that and makes it look like it's trying to take from us. Yeah, God wants to control me. Yeah, and that happened right in the beginning with Adam and Eve. You know, that was the first lie. The first lie. Yeah, so if you really think about it, you flip that and know the truth, everything his word is, his commandments is only to add. That's the purpose. It's, It's to give us life. Yeah. Yeah, and this is really important because your theology determines your biography. If you don't have a accurate theology, if you don't have a clear image of what God is like, you're going to be really confused, and you're not going to live well um, in this present life that God has given us, which is actually a gift. Mm-hmm. So the way I wrote this book is I was holding my first son, Justice, um, which was about more than eight years ago, nine years ago now, and I was holding him, and the Lord said to me, do you think you're a better father than me? <laughs> and I was like, no, Lord, I don't even like to change diapers. You know, I was still learning, and I was definitely not. And he said, there's seven things that you need to see correctly to manifest your purpose and fulfill your destiny. God, uh, yourself, relationships, time, money, problems, and the future. So you just dropped that seven. Like a Boom. download. I love Zip. how it's seven, too. Yeah, and then he gave me red-letter quotes for each one of those. Do not worry about tomorrow. In this world, you have tribulation. Uh, he gave me a red letter quote for each one. Um, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you have a problem with your brother, leave your gift on the altar. Uh, all these these just red yeah. letter. For those who may not know, red letter is stuff Jesus said. Exactly. And so this download was at a speed that is beyond my ability to conjure up such an idea. Mm. <laughs> I am not... Smart, even uh, the the time when he said, do not worry about tomorrow, um, because that steals time. So he gave me a red-letter quote, which is Jesus speaking, and that was kind of the foundation and the formation of this book. And I used it kind of like as a spirit-filled, Holy Spirit, life-coaching template, because if I relate to any of these things incorrectly, if I relate to God correctly, or if I relate to myself incorrectly, or if I relate to relationships or people or money or problems or the future incorrectly, I am not in position to desire or respond or perceive correctly because I'm looking through kind of like a cracked windshield uh, in the middle of a rainstorm. Yeah. So what what do you want to do? You want to kind of go through each key one by one? Yeah, we, we could... You know, there's so many things, but I also would like to kind of say that success really is possible, and it is God's design and desire, so it doesn't originate in us. And there are two really um, profound scriptures um, that are kind of like, were like, for me, they were like, okay, this is success, biblically speaking. Um, In John 17, 4... Jesus says, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So that's an expression of success. And then Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So he knew he had finished 
And Jesus knew he had finished. And Jesus is the author and the finisher, and if Jesus began it, he'll bring it to completion. So it's, it's really important that we know what it is that he's doing, and that we begin to then discern when it's finished. Peter also wrote, I'm getting ready to put off this tabernacle, speaking of his body, kind of like a tent. So he also knew that his time mm-hmm. was coming to an end, which meant that he had fulfilled his, his days and his number, the number of his days uh, in the earth. And, and so, um, you know, are people, do people die prematurely? I think that's clear in Scripture, yes. Um, if God wanted Lazarus to be dead, Jesus wouldn't have raised him from the dead. So I think it's possible that people can die untimely or premature deaths. But I think for us, we want to have longevity in the kingdom, fulfill the number of our days, and fulfill the plans that God has for us in the earth. And so I think that that's possible. I think it's biblical. And I think that these two scriptures are a clear indicator of what that sounds like, saying, you know, when when I get old and say, hey, God, I fulfilled I fulfilled your work, and, and, and you know, and that's it. Yeah. And so I think that's possible. Yeah. And also in the kingdom, there is no lack. It's abundant. So all of God's children is, is made for success. Yes. All of us are has a purpose of success. It's not like one person succeeds, another doesn't. It's yeah. like if we all follow, yes. technically we have all potential to be successful. Yes. And that's really good because it's not like we're fighting for first place. Yeah. It's more like we're in Christ and are we going to do what he's asked us to do? And and I think that that's very, that's very important. Yeah, and if we, if we all follow our assignment and our unique path that God laid out for us, we end up in the very place that we always wanted to be. And it doesn't look like the person next to you either. Yeah, like I can't fulfill your assignment and you can't fulfill mine, but we can encourage each other yeah. in the assignment, which is what we're doing on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you jump in, I, I want to just, one one thing you wrote in the opening chapter I really like was you said, to succeed, you must do the right thing for the right reason and do it consistently. Success is a choice. So much of our battles are won by choices. Yeah. yeah that was really, really um, yeah, good because I think sometimes we make it this big thing when it's really just like your daily habit, your daily choices, and it's, it's the, the sum of that that yeah. takes you there. Yeah. Yeah, like. Your, your choices create habits, and your habits also shape the culture of your life, which not only words shape the culture of your life, but habits do too. So words and habits are formational in shaping your life, whether you know it or not. And so, yeah, so that's important. Um, anyway, if, if you continue, like if we, if we go into like in chapter one, the first thing that you see, um, the first thing that you need to see correctly is God. And the scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, uh, you've seen the father. And we need to have a clear image of God. I think the enemy does everything he can to taint that image, to destroy that image, to distort that uh, he did that in the garden, basically telling them that uh, Eve, that, that ultimately before she became Eve, when she was still woman, <laughs> he basically said to her that God doesn't have your best interests at heart. He is withholding something from you. There is experiences in this life that you need outside of him. And that's a lie. Mm-hmm. And so 
basically she questioned the intentions and the integrity of God, which led her and made her susceptible to temptation. So if she was resolute on the intentions and the integrity of God, which my spiritual father Steve Stewart says that faith is confidence in the integrity of God, um, if, if, if she understood that, then temptation would have been less tempting. And I think that the more we renew our minds, the less tempting temptation is. Not that we're not human, not that we can't fall, but we look at it and go, that don't make sense. Yeah, there's a wisdom behind it. Yeah, like, it's like if I come up to you and I'm like, okay, I have a, a you know, a, a car and it's $100 million, you're like, yeah, that, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, like, you just know that that's, that's not worth that. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we value our relationship with Jesus and our relationship to the people that he has ordained uh, to be in our life, we don't want to sacrifice that for something that's worth less than it. It's just, yeah. it's just not wise. And so, yeah, seeing him is really critical. Um, we, when most people think of a God, they don't think of a God. Um, they think of, they don't think a God who suffered for them, suffered as them, and suffers with them. Mm-hmm. A God who bottles their tears. Yeah. A God who's acquainted with grief. They think of someone who wants to punish them. Yeah. And I think that that's really, it's really difficult to love someone who you're not convinced has your best interest at heart and is, is thinking, is, is looking to punish you and looking to um, just catch you doing something yeah. wrong. Yeah. God's either a negligent dad or a taskmaster. Yeah. And I think the dangerous thing is we don't have a good model of authority as, as God does. And we sometimes distort what God is through the lens of the authority we experience in our lives. Yes. But we have to really just heal from that and understand that that, is, that does not reflect God. And the authority that God provides is with love. Yeah. And those, those excuses, they may be able to like fly outside of Christ. Yeah. But once you come into Christ and you begin to have hopefully a vibrant relationship with <clears throat> Scripture and church... And the work of the Lord, hopefully that gets shaken out of you. Yeah, where where it's not just about making excuses, passing yeah. blame, mm-hmm. and then using your family of origin as a scapegoat as yep. to why you can't embrace Jesus, receive the gospel, and be transformed. Yeah, it's just like, it's like in the beginning when you're immature, it's like okay, you pooped your pants, all right, but now you're you're 31, mm-hmm. you can't keep pooping your pants. Yeah, this is not valid. Yeah. You know, and the one thing I would say to people who were, let's say, hurt in church, I would like to say that Jesus didn't do that to you. Mm-hmm. So so you may be hurting, it may be real, you may have felt disappointed, neglected, could be even spiritually abused. And I'm not making light of that, and I'm not diminishing that, but I'm, I'll say that that wasn't Jesus. Yeah. And so the enemy always wants to basically commit a crime and put Jesus' prints on the scene so that we won't love and trust the one who loves us and has our best interests at heart. So then it's like we say we believe, but we don't experience the fruits of those beliefs, and we don't, we don't experience the transformation of when our belief and our behavior is aligned, it brings a transformation. We don't experience the transformation, then we're frustrated, and then God is like, but I didn't do that. You know, you did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why relationship, real vital relationship with Jesus is, is critical. 
especially when you first enter the kingdom. I think what many young Christians do is they get enter, they enter the kingdom. They're zealous and, you know, it's about service. It's about changing your lifestyle, which is good stuff. Like that's all yep. great, but you need to start with that relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Because without that, all that other stuff on the outside, it just becomes religion. Mm-hmm. You, you get jaded, you get bitter. Yeah. You need that. You need the, yeah, the vital relationship. You know, the older I get, the more I see that healing is really essential for real discipleship. Because what happens is if I don't let God into the broken places in my life, in my heart, if I don't get healed, then I'm always triggered instead of teachable. I'm always defensive instead of responsive. I'm always, you know, suspicious instead of discerning. It's always like this unsanctified wannabe of what the real thing is because I can't trust enough because I'm hurt. Mm -hmm. And like maybe you had a dad who was abusive or neglecting, which is another form of abuse, or maybe you were hurt in church or maybe just disappointed in life in general. And my thing is like, I would just invite Jesus into that. Yeah. And and even just reread the gospels and, and, and take your time because Bill Johnson said that Jesus Christ is perfect theology. <laughs> and one of the things that's really beautiful to me, and, and Jesus Christ of the scriptures, not just Jesus of the gospels, but also Jesus of Revelation, Jesus of the Psalms, you know, the scriptures all are testifying to him. I would say, but start with the Gospels and and look at, like, take it for face value in the sense of saying, okay, there is a sick guy. Jesus is making him well. (laughs) There are hungry people. He's feeding them. Jesus is feeding them. There are people that literally others are avoiding. He goes after them. He's intentionally going after them. There are untouchable people who mm-hmm. are ceremonially unclean. Lepers. And not only does he cleanse them, but he touches them. Mm-hmm. They probably um, had a human touch in like 20, 30 yeah, years. And, yeah. yeah, for a long time. There are um, misfits, uneducated fishermen, um, tax collectors who are no good, mm-hmm. like loan, worse, than, worse than loan sharks. Mm-hmm. Like, people that are just terrible, like, no good. Like, in the streets, like, a rat. Like, no good. Like, (laughs) (laughs) And Jesus says, you come too. Prostitutes. Mm. um, Tax collectors. Even self-righteous religious people, he's willing to sit down and eat and be honest with them. Mm. We, We see him moving toward problems. We see him bringing solutions that are both eternal and temporal. Mm-hmm. You know, he shows up at a poor guy's wedding. How do I know he's poor? He ran out of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Budget issue. Yeah. Rich people don't run out. <laughs> and he saves the day and draws no attention to himself. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... You know, you're out in public, your your car declines, you look like a complete idiot, mm-hmm. and someone walks over and pays a bill. And he brings glory to the guy. And winks at you <laughs> and leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone goes, thanks, and they think that you bought them dinner. Mm-hmm. 
and he has no burden mm. to be seen, to be thanked. He yeah. just, and it's a sign. And the sign outlasts a miracle because the wine comes in and they pee it out the next day. <laughs> but the sign outlasts a miracle and yeah. he's telling the Jews, hey, you cannot be cleansed by water. You need to be cleansed with blood, which is significant of the wine. Yeah. And there's six water pots. Six is the number of man. Man cannot mm. cleanse itself. Man needs to be cleansed. Oh, it's like he did this on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, he, and he does it and he walks away. Mm -hmm. And this is where he manifested his glory. And this is when his disciples believed on him. So he solidified the team by doing a miracle not to be seen. It, it's really intriguing. So, yeah. so my point, in, you know, what I'm we're preaching Jesus, right? But my point is, if you just read the Gospels with simple, childlike faith, you see Jesus of Nazareth handling situations. Um. The people are hungry. Jesus says you feed them. Guys naked, running around crazy, demon-possessed. Jesus casts the devil out of them. Um, you know, everyone's melt. They're having his best guys are having a meltdown. He speaks to the storm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so every time he comes on the scene, it's everything is different because he's there. Yeah. Bill Johnson says everybody wants a king like Jesus. Like, who doesn't want? Jeez, I mean, when you when you see what he's really like, who doesn't want him at the helm of the ship? Yeah. And this is one of your red letter texts, right? If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah, if you see you me. Go. So now all of that, Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. So he is the invisible God made visible in Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Father is in heaven. Jesus is on earth. The Holy Spirit is in and upon Jesus for the work of the ministry. For The Holy Spirit is the administrator of the kingdom of God. Jesus was led by the inward counsel of God. Every time Jesus heard the audible voice of God, it was never about direction. It was always about affirmation. Mm -hmm. So he lived from the inward counsel of the Holy Spirit. So anytime I see Jesus, I'm seeing the Father. And then for those who are Christians who want to take that e even step deeper, you, when you look at Daniel 10, you look at the description of the Ancient of Days, it is the mirror image of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and so Daniel 10 is speaking of the Ancient of Days, speaking of the Father, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the one who sits on the throne forever and ever. Yeah. And then so, you, so even in timeless eternity... If you've seen the Father, you've seen the Son. But on earth, when God puts skin on in Jesus of Nazareth, we see the heart of the Father through the life of the Son. Mm -hmm. Jesus had a perfect will, yet he surrendered it and said, I came to do what the Father sent me to do. I came to speak what he told me to say. So when I see Jesus... In action, I'm seeing the Father. And, um, you know, in addition to us seeing Jesus, we're seeing someone who Isaiah says he was, he was acquainted with grief. Not his grief. My grief. His, his stripes, they're not for his healing, they're for mine. Mm-hmm. 
he was a man of sorrow, but he wasn't sorrowful for his sins because he didn't sin. You know, he, he, in addition to him bottling tears, one day he'll wipe every tear from our eye. For him to bottle your tears, that means he had to be there when mm-hmm. you were crying. Yep, every moment. Which is speaking of the omnipresence yeah. of the everlasting Father, mm-hmm. Jesus, in, in everyone's the life. Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. Yeah, yeah. Three person, one God. And um, this is really Im- important because I-, I can love and serve and, and be honest with a God who bottles my tears yeah. and who will wipe everyone from my eye one day. Mm-hmm. That's a whole lot different. A, a God who's looking to catch me doing right so he could reward me. Yeah. A God who's looking privately <laughs> to reward me publicly. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different God yeah. than, than the religious God that's angry. Yeah. And... Uh, A.W. Tozer, I just came across this quote. It fit perfectly with your first key here. He wrote, What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Yes. How we view God, what we see seeing Him clearly is the most important thing about us. That's that's pretty profound. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of referenced something similar to that. You, you, will, you will never, your, your theology will determine your biography. Yeah. And there's a parable in where he gives talents mm-hmm. and they said oh we thought you were a hard taskmaster and he goes okay i can be that <laughs> you you get you can have what you speak and um but their fear and their ungodly belief about him mm-hmm. became a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah and um you know it's really important that we have a healthy and biblical perspective of God in the person of Jesus. Yeah. I think some things you guys could kind of do a heart check to see, hey, maybe my relationship with God is not aligned is, number one, are you getting offended at God? I think if you get offended at God, that's not a God issue. That's a a, a sight issue in how you view God. Yeah. Yeah. That's your issue, really, yeah. to yeah. be honest. Yeah. So kind of like, you know, Adam's saying, got to get back to the gospel, get back to Jesus and just really define your view on him through Jesus and his life and get back to that place of relationship with him. Another kind of sign is like, you ever think like, you say like, God needs me to do this. God needs me. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) God needs me like a hole in the head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of language, you know, you might think it's it's good and it's with good intention, but that's a little off with your relationship with God because God wants you. He's yeah. not wanting you for things. Yeah, yeah. And, and God doesn't need anything. So remove God and need. Mm-hmm. God and need doesn't belong in the same sentence because God doesn't lack. Yeah, That is part of him being the self-existent, mm-hmm. self-sustaining. Yep. We are not. He's the burning bush that doesn't burn the bush. Yeah, yeah. he is. Yes, he is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we are not. Um, someone who is the same doesn't need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is the great change agent who is willing to conform us into his image. And um, the good news is we don't do this on our own strength. Like Jesus gave belief. Let's say you're a believer. You say, I- I'm struggling in faith, but I believe, or my experience is not up to what I'm believing, but I'm, I'm moving forward. Jesus gave believers the mind of Christ so that we could see and live from God's perspective. 
And, and this is a simple truth, and it's really important because in the natural world, right, my eyes send an invisible signal to my brain that I'm unable to see with my naked eye, right, because mm-hmm. it's inside my head. Yeah. And my brain is what interprets and tells me you were looking at DK. <laughs> so the mind is what interprets what the eyes see. Mm-hmm. So when we have the mind of Christ, we're able to interpret things as God sees them. Yeah. Which is powerful because God wants to lead us into all truth. And he wants us to be able to look at something and see what it is according to his perspective. If you take that at face value, that's crazy. The creator of this universe wants to share his mind with us. He wants to download his thoughts into our thoughts. Yeah. That's just... The level, and then what did he pay? Well, a crown of thorns Hmm. to wash our minds. (laughs) You know, cost is always determined by what someone's willing to pay for it. You know, I I signed Mm -hmm. up for a, um, a technique consultation where ultimately I'm paying $180 for someone to tell me what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Tell That's me what lifting. Yeah, for for powerlifting. And I'm when you're young and immature, you you like avoid, you know, cor- correction, yeah. critique. <laughs> now I'm old, I'm getting older. I'm willing to pay for it, you know, <laughs> because I know the value of it. So, and this is just with a human who is uh, quite excellent at what he does. Now, let's talk about the creator of the universe. Creator of the universe paid in his own blood Hmm. for me to have his mind so I can see and perceive and respond. So we could benefit. So we could benefit. (laughs) I mean, to me, that's a huge win. Yeah. And and that, that, I mean, this is the type of, for example, the type of kingdom and the type of king. In, In every other kingdom, the king... He builds on the backs of the people. This king paid with his own back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone in the kingdom is royal citizens. So th- this is something completely different from the world. The world is about empire. This king is about sacrifice. You know, the world is how much can I take from you? How, how much taxes... Um, can I take from your paycheck without you becoming violent? That's <laughs> like, you know, you know what I mean? Like versus how much can I give to you? And when you learn to give to him, the reward is more. Yeah. So to me, like if you just, if you really believe, like maybe you don't believe, if you actually believe the gospel and the life and the kingdom that God has for us in Christ, he gives us a new heart. You know, many times you hear believers, God, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. <laughs> okay, well, that was ancient Israel, and Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to have a deceitfully wicked heart. Mm-hmm. His heart was ruptured so that you would have a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that's tender and responsive, so that you could have the mind of Christ. And he sends the Holy Spirit. And he sends the Holy Spirit. And he gives you armor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you can't be naked under the armor. Let's clothe you with some humility if you're going to be a little mighty warrior there. And so he's always looking out for us. Mm-hmm. You know, one of, the, one of the names of Jesus is the bishop of our souls. He's the overseer of our inner life. He is completely present with us to help us in this journey. He's like, oh, you guys are jacked up. Don't worry. No problem. 
I'll move in. I'm the wonderful counselor. I'll, I'll coach you through this. I will, I will direct you and guide you and lead you if you uh, humble yourself and permit me to be the Lord mm-hmm. and to lead you in reality. Not just call me Lord and do what you want, but in, re- in reality call me Lord and let me lead you. And so for, for those of you who are listening today, um, I just encourage you to make Jesus your Lord. It's like we live in a generation where they want a savior um, or a life coach, but they don't want a Lord. Yeah. They don't want a king. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's ironic how Jesus is king, yo. You know, it's, it became popularized with Kanye West and that uh, great album that he made, which I enjoyed and I appreciated. But the question is, the question is not, is Jesus king? The question is, is Jesus your king? Mm-hmm. The question yeah. is not, is Jesus Lord? Mm-hmm. The question is, is he your Lord? Yeah. Do you do what he says? And doing what he says, there's profound benefit. I mean, even uh, even if you get persecuted, even if you get killed, you get a crown of life forever. It's yeah. it's a win. Like, yeah. you don't lose. Like, this is yeah. this is a radically good deal. And and there's a God, like, one of the, one of the uh, Psalms says that God's thoughts toward us are more countless than the sand on the seashore. That's a metaphor that God is eternally and forever thinking about you. (laughs) God never runs out of thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Like you are on his mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I can submit to someone. Talk about affirmation, right? Yeah, how about that? How about that to heal the daddy thing? (laughs) I mean, that's amazing. Like someone who's always thinking about me, someone who even when he tells me what to do, it's for my benefit. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I, I just believe it. Yeah. So if I mean, you don't believe, hey, why don't you just say, Jesus, help me to believe. Yeah. And and start this journey today because he's real and he's there. A humble and honest heart is the best place to start yep. to, to reveal God. I thought you were about to start rapping. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK Kim and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.